Welcome, everyone, to Tzidkas Atzadik Shir Weekly. Thank you to those joining on Zoom, and those joining on Facebook, and those joining on Instagram. Wherever you are, we're all together. I'm going to share my screen with those of you who will be able to see that, so we can learn together. Okay. So here we are in Os Gimel. <coughs> The primary essence of Kriyashma is accepting upon oneself the yoke of Malchus Shamayim, the yoke of God's divine kingdom, the old Torah mitzvahs, and the yoke of Torah and mitzvahs, Kedisa, as it says in Brachos 13a. One is accepting upon himself a commitment to Torah and mitzvahs, and the fact that there is a, a God in heaven. Um, who has demands over you. We can talk about that in a second. It must be done in the daytime and the nighttime. But it doesn't say in the morning and the night. It says when you lay down and when you get up. So you see Brachos over there talks about that. It gives you the time during which you have to accept upon yourself twice daily. Um, as when you lay down and when you go to sleep. Morning and night are but changes in the universe. They're not something that changes in a person. person can accept for eight in the morning, nine in the morning, ten in the morning, until the night time too. When something changes in an individual person, then a person needs to re-accept their all malchus shamayim. Um, in the daytime, a person gets up and engages in their work. Um, and a person needs to accept upon themselves the yoke of heaven. A person has to make sure that everything they do is devoted to the ideals and purposes of L'Shem Shemayim, of, of being done for the right reasons. Kamasha Amru the Goran, Erevin 65a, says, Anan Po'ale Diyamama, it compares us to people who work during the day. Now, Po'alim, Ha'osa Malacha, Po'alim who do work, Kolmaseim La'adon, everything they do goes to their Adon. They're hired for the day, and everything they do goes to their employer. Vafilu Birchas Hamazon, even when it's time to bench, Mekatzer Bishvil Avodoso, they don't have the right um, it says, do a long benching. They have to shorten their birkas hamazon because their time is already committed to their to their uh, their employer. So that is daytime. Daytime is doing work over the course of a day that is entirely devoted um, to spiritual ends and goals. But at night when a person is sleeping, it's time of rest. It's also a time that a person has to accept upon himself the yoke of heaven. So what is that? I mean, you're going to sleep. So what do you do? A person is accepting that even when he lays on his bed, he should know before whom he is laying. The Ramah at the beginning of Arachayim cites the Rambam in... Uh, and that's the language, that even when a person is laying in their bed, they should always remember before whom they lay. That is a much greater challenge to do things during the day. A person to go to work, right, or to do something and say, the reason I'm doing this is to enhance Kvot Shemayim in the world, to refine myself, and thereby be a greater vehicle for Torah and mitzvahs and other such things. That's hard enough, and that's easy compared to to being the sort of person who sleeps appropriately. 
כמו ששמעתי בזה. When a tzaddik says shamati, he means I heard it from my rebbe, the ishbitzer rebbe. He says I, I, so I, I heard from the ishbitzer. Al pasuk vayachalom Yaakov. On the pasuk that says and Yaakov dreamed a dream, then his rebbe told him shemehachalomos nicker milas haadam. From one's dreams, one can determine the spiritual level of a person. Imgam kesheino osa klum means if even when a person is doing absolutely nothing. Just his thoughts, Vihine Hashem Nitzav Alav, are in God, is before him. There are very few like this. He says, Yaakov was sleeping, and it says, Vihine Hashem Nitzav Alav. God was before him. When Yaakov turned off, when he stopped trying to imagine God, when he stopped trying to do the mitzvahs, all he could think about was Hashem. There are just few tzaddikim in world history. That could praise themselves with such a great level. That's why there's an additional blessing in getting in 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 Mariv. That's uh, after the Shema, um, an additional Shema blessing. Um, lay us down for peace. So we need an extra an extra blessing so that the Shema should work, and we need it specifically about Hashkivenu. Um, let us lay down in the appropriate way. Now. Before we continue and even see a couple other related sources um, here on Os Gimel, I want to talk about the, the word Ol Malchus Shamayim, the yoke of God's kingdom. We hear this all the time. As, as observant Jews, this is not a new phrase. Um, if it's new to you, I would venture to say you're new to Torah observance and Torah learning. Ol Malchut Shamayim. It's a very. It's something we talk about all the time. When one says Shema, one is accepting upon oneself the yoke of God's kingdom. And all mitzvos, the yoke of mitzvos. It sounds terrible to me. I hate to say that, but that language, at first when one hears it, it just who wants to put a yoke on their back? It sounds like it's going to break your back. And I think the. It's a very important question to address because I, I, I do think that it's not just a syntax question. I actually suspect that a lot of people can identify um, with that sort of question. So I want to suggest the following uh, approach that I think is, is very clear. If you look into what a yoke is, why, why, why do they put a yoke on an animal? So an animal, you'll have, a, you'll have a, an ox. Its job is to carry a plow. And it's got to plow this field. It's a big field. And uh, the owner expects it to plow the field. The reason they put on a yoke is because when it carries the plow using the yoke, then the weight of that plow is evenly distributed um, more effectively. And the cow, this ox, is able to much more easily plow the field that he has to plow anyway by means of this yoke. So I want you to understand, my, my dear friends, that that is exactly what the Torah is. You see, everyone in the world is, is trying to plow the same field. Well, what do I mean? you got to plow it anyway. You want to have a good marriage. You want to feel good about yourself in life. You want to accomplish. You want to have good friendships. You want to live a life of inner peace. You want to accomplish in this world and make a contribution. This is the sort of thing that we all, we all want to do comes along the Torah and says, here is a methodology for you to live your life. Here's a way that you can structure your life. 
and it will actually help you plow that field. You have to plow it anyway. The yoke is not the job only. It's also the means of accomplishing that job. But that's what we want anyway. Means. The, per the first cow, the first ox, whose master purchased a yoke for him, was the very happiest ox. He was the cool one. Everyone else was so jealous of him. Because he had the means of plowing the field that they all had to plow anyway. That, that's one thing that I think is important to share with you. Okay. Now, Reb Zodik said um, that he learned from his, his Rebbe. He learned from his Rebbe that a person who is sleeping, so he has an interesting thing because he's just there. And for that reason, if a person is in that mode, he's in that place, then he can know that he's at a very high madrega. When Yaakov shuts down, and then what he sees is Vihine Hashem Nitzavalav, so that is a very high level. Um, there's an interesting source to connect to this. Um, I'll just share with you in brief. I'm not going to read the whole thing inside because it's very long. Um, but the, the Abarbanel in his comments on Parshas Miketz. So he, in Parshas Miketz, it's talking about the dreams of Paro. And he gets into a whole essay to describe exactly how dreams work um, and the different kinds of dreams that there are. There are some meaningless dreams that come out there. Um, and uh, there are dreams that's because what you think about during the day. Um, but he describes a sort of reality that when a person falls into during the daytime a person thinks about things and they and they and they push ideas into their head um, he says but when a person just completely shuts off um, when a person just completely shuts down um, and stops all the incredible stimulation that happens to us during the daytime so then that's a certain kind of dream um, that really defines who we are and, and it's a much more involved piece in the Abar Benel. but that's the idea, that when a person just shuts off, who are you now? That's what's represented here by dreaming. So aside from in the daytime, says Reb Tzadok, we're doing things. In the night, we're kind of finding out who we are. That's what one's dreams are. And that's much more challenging. To do a sort of avodah Hashem that gets you to a place where you're not simply doing the right thing, but you're becoming that person. You're not just doing acts of kindness. You're becoming someone who feels more kind. That, says Reb Tzadok, is far more difficult. This is a very, very big lesson. And it's almost like, what can I do about it? So I think, at least in terms of understanding, there is something you can do about it. Before you go to sleep, you say Hashkivenu in Mayrif. You say Shema at night. A person is meant to be thinking... Not only do I accept upon myself a commitment, a yoke upon myself to live a good life and to do the right things and to do things better and to make fewer mistakes and fewer dumb choices, right? Less ruach shtus, less nonsense. Um, additionally, additionally, I'm committing to becoming more of the person that I want to become. Not just to doing kind things, to becoming a more kind person. That's a whole different story. 
that's a commitment. That's something we have to do. That has to be part of our commitment twice a day. Once a day we're committing in the morning Shema to doing the right things and in the evening Shema to becoming the sort of person that the Torah and the mitzvos are demanding of us. Now, um, when Reb Tzadok says he heard it from his, from from his Rebbe, the Ishvitzer, so the truth is that the, the almost word for word, the same um, piece shows up in the uh, in the Mehashilach from the Ishvitzer. There are a number of other places. Um, Reb Tzadok himself writes about this in many other places, and there's a lot more to get into it. Um, so, if anybody wants some sources on that, please feel free to reach out to me. But I don't think now is the appropriate forum to uh, to just explore. Only that we could spend a week on it. Um, Rav Bunim Shischa, the Rebbe Rav Bunim, who Rav Tzadik himself does quote sometimes, um, also says a very remarkably similar thing to what the Ishbitzer says. It could be it came from the Ishbitzer because um, it's quoted from Rav Bunim, so it may be that it really was from the Ishbitzer himself rather than Rav Bunim. Um, okay, but but all of that seems a little bit technical. So we're now going to learn Ostalad. Mitzvah Rishonah Shenishchayev Adam Kishenasa Ben Yud Gimel Shana. The very first mitzvah that a bar mitzvah boy has, person turns thirteen and he's bar mitzvah, is reading Shema that night. In other words, it gets dark. His first mitzvah is to say Shema. Shahu Harishis. Again, because that's the beginning. Remember, Harishis Knesas Adam Lavodas Hashem is what we're talking about here, and Brachos are the very first thing, acknowledging Hashem, and so. Apparently, even in a person's lifetime of mitzvos, which begins at age 13, the first thing is Shema. Kemosha kasav nulel. As we just wrote earlier, Kriya Shema and saying brachos are the same fundamental idea in this context. So brachos is that before each mitzvah or each activity, a person has in mind, here's the purpose of the activity and here's what we're trying to do. And similarly, that's what's happening when a person joins at 13 years old. They join this career of doing mitzvahs. The very first thing they're supposed to do is this first Shema. Only that blessings are on each and every individual action. And the Shema is a much broader thing. So you don't do a Shema before each action. You say a bracha before each action. You do a Shema at the beginning of your waking up and the beginning of your laying down. Right? The Shema is on the whole standing. I, I, I'm sorry, I spoke it out in, in English before reading it. arvis kodem. Now, why does the one at night come first in this conceptual set? So he says, We know that the, the Tana began with it because that's how the Pasuk begins with it. So he's quoting something from the Gemara. It's, it's, it's understood that the structure is night and then day because that's how the world was created. Um, so the same will be true for accepting the yoke of heaven. The world was created. First came the darkness. Um, and then the light came. So what does that mean? The darkness came first. A person is expected to accept the yoke of heaven even when in a place of darkness. The hasichlus and foolishness. The heeder and a lack of of the appropriate behavior. A person has not yet reached the appropriate behaviors in their lifetime. They still have to accept all Malchus The Oz, and then eventually, Sofo Lakayuma Be'osher. Eventually, a person will be able to fulfill the Torah out of out of wealth. It's an expression. He's one who fulfills the Torah out of poverty will eventually fulfill it out of wealth. So it just sounds like he's borrowing that term, not so much to mean financial wealth, uh, but spiritual wealth. 
Um, in the light of day, which means hasaga habura, clarity of purpose, clarity of, 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 of what Hashem is and what a person is supposed to be doing. Because through this, proper actions really will, will come. So again, Reb um, Tzadik says now, and here in Os Dalid, that the reason that the nighttime Shema comes before the daytime Shema is that a person's commitment to doing what's right is meant to come even when they don't understand everything and even when they don't connect to everything. Um, and only afterwards do they develop that understanding and connection. I, I had an interesting conversation recently with some very intelligent people. Um, their, their son is a, is a friend of mine, and, and he's uh, becoming... He's become um, an observant Jew, and he, and he comes from parents who didn't, you know, grow up living an observant. He didn't grow up with parents who were living an observant, you know, lifestyle. Um, and you know, he had this this interesting. I had this interesting conversation with his parents. Really lovely, like refined, nice people. Um, and his mother said something to me like she just couldn't understand a specific restriction on Shabbos. It, it escapes me what it was. It was choresh and schlepping a chair across the law. I don't remember what it was. Um, and, and she was like a little, like, it just seemed so ridiculous to me. So I was thinking about it afterwards. Like I didn't, I wasn't trying to answer up or be defense. I can understand somebody can find something in the Torah to seem a little far-fetched to them. Um, it doesn't bother me. Either it's written by Hashem or it's not written by, if it's written by Hashem, to the fact that I don't immediately understand it wouldn't trouble me anyway if it's really God who told me to do this it's the right thing you know like that but um, I was thinking about it if a person is I'll give like a a mundane example but imagine you have a person who's a who's a fan of baseball or something or a sport and there's like a detail in baseball if a third strike is dropped then the person can still run to first I mean this is literally the example that went through my head that I didn't share with uh, the people at the time because it wasn't the moment to do so but I was thinking, like, okay, so let's say a person's a baseball fan. So that's the rule. So, okay, but we're playing the game. I mean, we're, we're watching the majors. I mean, we know that that's how it works. How many baseball fans actually spend time thinking, I don't understand this. What's the source of it? Where does it come from? Every major league player, every major league, you know, and minor league, and anybody who plays in any league that follows these rules knows the rule of drop third strike. Does anyone know who started the rule? Where does it come from? What's the reason for it? What? It's not a. It's part of my lifestyle. It's part of what I do. It's part of the game that I love. Sometimes you have an interesting Vin Scully sort of personality. And he was like a, you know, a, could tell you stories, and he tells you where something came from, and it's like it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm not taking. The, it's wonderful, but it's not really part of the motivator. When someone comes to me and says, "This mitzvah doesn't make so much sense to me," says Rabbi here, we start with the night and we end in the day. So the Torah's orientation is that you start without understanding. It's not so much about understanding. It's about being part of this whole system. It's a wonderful, amazing system. The person who loves baseball, they love baseball. And it's not significant to them why is it specifically this rule that, like, where did it come from is really not something most of them will ever even find out about or be that interested in. Maybe if you tell it to them, they'll be particularly interested. And if they weren't, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Oh, okay, thank you for telling me. And the next day he forgets because... He can still be a world-class manager, player, coach. Um, this made, I hope this is making sense. We start out in the dark. The, the, the motivator is not clarity. The motivator is not That's not the primary motivator. Rather, the primary motivator is 
even in the darkness, I accept this. Even if there's something I don't understand, because I was never buying into this Torah and mitzvot simply because every single thing in it is exactly what I would have thought otherwise. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to buy into the right system that HaKadosh Baruch that God gave me. And now if you want to tell me that something does or doesn't make so much sense, I'm comfortable that perhaps things will continue to not make sense for a while. On the whole, they'll make sense. On the whole, you'll know you're buying into something meaningful and right and good. Even if there's a detail that you just don't understand in Torah learning, in mitzvos, in your own avoda. And so the acceptance of all Malchashemim, of an absolute commitment to living the right kind of life, begins in the dark. It begins, it begins even when you don't... It's not about that. It was never about understanding everything. And I think it's an important parallel. I know it might seem like mundane and silly, somebody who loves a sport. Like, it might sound a little bit silly. Um, but it's right. It's the right example. Because when somebody loves something and is connected to something and is doing something because it's meaningful to them, so then it doesn't make a difference if you say, yes, well, where would the rule come from that... Instead, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who invented that rule in basketball or who. It's not that is not a detail that makes any difference to the person who's living that lifestyle, who's part of that, um, and therefore the, a person has to be comfortable with their level of commitment. Mitocha choshech says Reb Tzadik, the hasichlus, and 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 understanding that that sometimes I can be a little bit silly and I can't expect myself to understand everything. The heder hamaisim. The final thing was heder hamaisim. An absence of behavior. Here's what that means. I, I want to I want to talk about that for a second. Let's. We're just reading the words. A person has to be committed to Torah and mitzvahs, even when they're not doing them yet. Heder hamaisim means a person who is not yet doing what they ought to be doing. Heder hamaisim. Let me try to explain what that means to be fully committed to doing the right thing. When a person is not yet doing the right thing. Um, because th- that's really all of us. There's a Pasuk in Kohelis. says, Ein tzaddik ba'aretz. There is no person. There's no tzaddik while they are still in this world. Ba'aretz. Asher tov, who does only good, velo yechata, and is not lacking, is not a sinner. There's no person who doesn't sin. Okay, so then, but maybe it's once in a lifetime. That's not the point. The point is that being human means that on the one hand you can know absolutely what's right and what you're supposed to do and at the very same moment you can do it. The level of contradictions that exist within any of our lives on a daily basis is astonishing that a human being can be so good and so noble and so righteous in one moment and and within minutes do something that's so antithetical to the previous behavior is something that never fails to shock me. Not not about others, but about, my, about myself. Like we're such complex people, and yet, kabbalas ol malchushemayim says Reb Tzadik means to absolutely commit that I entirely believe and want to do exactly what's right, even if I'm not quite there yet. It's going to be a journey for me to do it. But don't rewrite the script, my friends. I, it might sound simple. It's everything. If you don't acknowledge what's right, I think it was the great Yogi Berra, 
of the New York Yankees who said, if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there. Sometimes a person says, look, religiously, I don't think I'm ready for this or that mitzvah. So therefore, what winds up becoming is, I've never really felt that that's all so important anyway, because, I mean, wouldn't it be more modest if you didn't cover your hair than if you wore something much nicer? Stop, stop, don't do that. Rather, accept, I'm not ready for that mitzvah yet. I'm not doing that yet. Every one of us has things that we could be doing and should be doing, and we're just on the way. We're growing. But to accept the truth, mitoch heder hamaisim, rather than rewrite the playbook and decide and change the goalposts and say, okay, you know what? The truth is, really, here's what's right. Really, here's how I could justify my behavior. The, stop. Heder hamaisim. I'm missing something. I'm not perfect yet. But I know what's right. A person who knows that is in much, much, much better shape than a person who whatever they're doing, they wind up reinterpreting for. And therefore, Kabbalah's Omalcha Shamayim cannot come from clarity at first. It has to come from an acknowledgement of a lack of clarity. And a la- it's not about me. I don't always understand everything. And my actions, which could be so convincing that because this is how I feel, I'll reinterpret what the appropriate way to be is. I believe that that's what Rav Zadik is saying about Mayriv coming before Shachras, about the Kriyashma at night, coming out of the darkness before the Kriyashma in the daytime. Um, okay, so I, th- I think for this week we will stop with these two because if we were to jump into Oshe, that's going to take us quite some more time and it's very exciting. So I thank you all, those of you on every different medium where we are broadcasting. I thank you for joining us and uh, I hope you will join us once again next Tuesday, 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern, live here on Zoom, Facebook, Instagram, and any other way that you're consuming this magnificent Torah from Rav Tzadik. Um, Thank you, everyone.